Welcome to the Teen Life Podcast, where we believe that teenagers are not a problem to be solved. We are here to help you equip teenagers through the power of connection. It has been a long time since I've said that, but and I'm you did happy- it great. I did. Thank you. I'm happy to be back um, here with Chris Roby, and I'm Carly Duke. Hey, Carly. I'm glad you're back too. We've uh, had a, a good long summer trying to hold the fort down. Uh, without you on the podcast and it's just not the same without you so we're glad that you're back and um congrats on being a mama of three and all the things that comes with that so yeah i was gonna say for our people who like don't maybe know me personally they might not even know but i had a baby at the beginning of the summer bonnie and we batch recorded some at the beginning so if you heard me this summer that was (laughs) before the baby and then chris and tobin did a great job of carrying the diverse families um, series that we did in August. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to those or our summer series, go back because they really were great. I'm really proud of what we did, but I'm excited to get back into our normal rhythm, Chris. Yeah. The podcast doesn't stop even for a baby. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Never. Never. yeah. So we, we had a really good time over the summer, uh, with the, with the short series, um, uh, with the kind of teen stereotypes and the, um, if you, like Carly said, if you been kind of having been a part of the production of that diverse family series. I thought that was really important um, mm-hmm. to to work through those different uh, kinds of families that you see. And it was it was by no means ex- exhaustive. There's probably other other family dynamics and scenarios that we can cover uh, down the road. But as just a special thanks to our guests, we were talking about before the podcast. I, I don't we don't get to do interviews as much as we used to, and so that right. was a that was a fun treat to get back into that. Um, but really glad to be back into the rhythm of our. Uh, of our school year podcast. And so we're really glad to be back. Yeah. So speaking of school year, I wanted to kind of kick off. I know it's September, so your kids have probably already started school, but I really wanted to talk about how people, specifically parents or those outside of school context can partner well with the school. And then next episode, come back because we're going to specifically talk to our school staff people about how you can better connect with your students. But today, this one's kind of a little more for the parents. But just for a little bit of context, my oldest started kindergarten this year. So we have had lots of change Mm -hmm. um, in the Duke house. But one thing that we're doing different is uh, my husband works for a school that is a university model, meaning um, Sawyer will only go two days a week and then he does homeschool um, or satellite school is what they call it the other three days. Mm-hmm. And so school partnership is really big. And I had to go to a four hour training, Chris. It really was pretty cool, but it was a long training about mm. how to partner with the school well. And so I came out of that going, oh, this is stuff that I feel like our audience needs to hear as well, throwing my own spin on it and our own teen life spin on it, obviously. But basically, I came out of that going, if we want our students to be successful in school, it has to start at home. We can't send them to school and expect them to learn everything and have a good attitude if that's not starting in our home. And so um, that's kind of where I'm wanting to launch of like, how can we partner with the school? And I feel like we've talked about this first one a lot, Chris, but it's so worth mentioning over and over again, which is you have to have relationships with school staff. Yeah. And to, to I think, build on the need for this, I was, um, I've been added to a full, a few like parent groups on Facebook. And when I say added, I mean, I didn't ask, um, I got added. <laughs> um, and so, awesome. um, and I, I, I tend to, I mean, usually when I'm added to a group, it's just a mess. And so I've started reading through and this is just parents kind of a one way conversation. And, and it's really kind of sad 
um, to see the way that uh, a lot of parents and families will talk about school staff and, mm. um, you know, really have no idea what's happening. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's, um, it's a very limited scope of what's really happening. And so I think when we start to talk about building relationships with school staff, I think that's so crucial because if you don't, that's kind of the results that you get is a lot of assumptions, a lot of things that um, aren't necessarily true. Um, and I think a lot of times we assume school staff don't, you know, they've got too many, you know, too many relationships to manage um, or um, things to do to actually have a relationship with parents or, or with the community at large. I mean, looking at those Facebook groups, I'm like, man, there needs to be some relationship building here because mm. what I'm reading here can't necessarily be the full truth. Right. When I think when it comes to school staff, we're talking teachers, principals, mm. coaches, front office staff, counselors. I mean, there are so many people on every school campus that are investing in your kids. And I just think when you have a relationship with them, it makes it easier to communicate when there's an issue. You're going to have compassion for the people that you know. So if your student comes home and tells you a story and you don't know them, it's very easy to get very frustrated and to assume the worst about that school staff person. And if you don't have a relationship with them, yeah, because they're nameless, they're faceless, right. they're they're they're. It's much easier to paint them as the villain or the one who's wrong when you know you know your kid, you know what they bring to the table. But if there's no relationship there, it's really easy to be one sided. I saw something, Chris. This is a little. Well, it's not off topic, but I think it was a TikTok recently that said, like, why are you believing your student that you complain about all summer of having a bad attitude when their teacher says that they need to work on something? Like, <laughs> why are you not believing the teacher when you see these things at home? But if a teacher brings it up suddenly, like, oh, no, there's no way. Never my kid. Uh-huh. And I was like, that is pretty hilarious. But I just think with our work, Chris, there are very, very, very few times that I've come across a school staff person that does not have the student's interest like in mind always. Mm -hmm. Like they care about your kid. And so I think when we come to any kind of conversation with school staff, knowing they're on my student's team, they want them to be better. They want them to succeed. And so use them as a resource, but also know that going in of like, okay, not assuming the worst. Um, and we've talked about, I'll try to link, there are a lot of podcast episodes I feel like we've done on this. So I will try to link them, but maybe start a conversation, give them a small gift, um, to kind of start that relationship. If there's a student or a teacher that your student talks about a lot, make an effort to get to know them. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's an email of like, Hey, my student talks about you all the time. Thank you for what you're doing. Is there anything that I can help you with this school year? Something like that. It doesn't take a lot really. I think our attitude is really important when it comes mm-hmm. to school staff because if it if it really is just about um, my kid always being right and you know no one can say anything wrong, um, it's not a great attitude and it's not it's not uh, it's not necessarily believing that the school staff has your your kid's best mm-hmm. uh, uh, intentions in mind. So your attitude will be contagious when it comes to to things like extracurriculars, uh, homework, school rules. Um, and we want to, especially with our students, you know, in the way that we talk about, uh, you know, within our family, talk about school staff, because I know that that's a really easy thing if they're, you know, or if there are negative messages coming home to really bully up against the school staff at home, you know, the way that we talk about those teachers, we talk about, you know, the school staff, the counselors, the principals, 
um, front office desk coaches, those kinds of things. The way that we talk about them is really important and our attitude at home makes a really big difference. So we want to focus on growth um, when we talk about school and not perfection so that your mm-hmm. student will really love, really love learning. Right. That's the goal of schools. We want them to love to learn and we want them mm-hmm. to want to go back and be successful and not come with all this pressure from home. Mm-hmm. And that really starts with you. I also think, especially for um, when they're doing homework, when they're setting for tests, creating a good home environment for learning. So have a place set aside for them. Have a routine of like, hey, right when we get home from school, maybe we start homework right away. Or especially maybe for middle school when they're getting into this rhythm of learning how to do this themselves, helping them come up with routines. Or maybe they come home and they eat a snack and they decompress for 45 minutes and then they start their homework. Mm -hmm. But having an environment where they know, okay, when I come home, this is an extension of school, an extension of learning, and that can really help them succeed so that they're prepared when they go back to school. And then I kind of mentioned this earlier about like asking how to help, but be available to the school. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's volunteering when needed. Go to games or shows or concerts, even if your student isn't a part of it so that you're part of the school culture. And then just look for ways to encourage teachers and staff. It is not an easy job to be in the school system, especially lately. And so look for ways that we can kind of uplift them and let them know that we're thankful for them and what they do. For the trend this week, I want to touch on fantasy football. And this has been on my list for a while just because, but I've kind of been waiting for the fall, right? Because football season. Um, But I've, just feel like I hear more and more of teenagers picking up on this. And I would assume lots of people know what this is, but if you only like have like a small idea, but don't really know what it entails, maybe we can help you figure it out. So um, I love that you brought this up because I, uh, I started a fantasy baseball mm. um, league with um, some kids from my oldest son's baseball team. And then my um, then eight-year-old, now nine-year-old, um jumped in as well and um what i what i love about it is you know th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to love it because it incorporates um statistics it in- incorporates right. um you know kind of keeping up with the sport um but it's something that really that all ages are really able to participate in so um and 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 really if you have a, a even a younger kid um who wants to be a part of it you can have a team together, you know, mm-hmm. and be a part of that. So it's, it's been pretty fun uh, from the baseball side. And I know we're about to jump in the football side too. Yeah, that's what I'll say. I said fantasy football, cause I feel like that's the most popular, but my husband has done fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, fantasy football. Like there is fantasy for pretty much any sport you can think of. And so it doesn't just have to be football, but Chris is right. Find what your kid is into. And all of these apply to this too. The rules might be a little different, but it's a mm-hmm. similar thing. Mm-hmm. And so, for fantasy football specifically, you're going to select your own team of players. They are setting the lineup every week. And then you watch the games or watch the points come in. So they get points for runs, passes, catches, scoring touchdowns, sometimes defenses also. And what's hard, I'm not going to go into every single rule. There are different ways to play. So I know my husband, I'm pretty sure is in three different fantasy football leagues, and I'm pretty sure they all have different rules of some of them are dynasty, meaning like you draft your team and then it's like a football team that like you keep your team every year and you've got to make trades. 
mm-hmm. and you can only draft rookies. There are others that you start over every single year. The points are different depending on what you do. But basically every week you're matched up with someone else in the league. And then the winner that has is the one that has the most fantasy points. And then usually there's kind of like a playoff round where you come up with one winner of the fantasy league. Well, what I love about it is um, you don't necessarily uh, have to love football or love the sport to be able to participate in it, and mm-hmm. and it does it it does increase engagement with you, you, when you when you play fantasy, you actually watch teams a little bit differently. So, sure, good example is with fantasy baseball. This I mean, this happened last night actually. Um, you know, we're we're from Texas, uh, from DFW area, and so me and my boys love watching the Rangers. Well. They were playing the Twins last night, and my nine-year-old was like, oh, I want the Rangers to win, but Pablo Lopez is pitching tonight for the Twins, <laughs> and I want him to do well, too. <laughs> so, so it ends up kind of kind of dividing your allegiances depending on who's actually playing. And so, but it's pretty fun um, because, you know, they're, they're, they're paying attention to so many aspects of the game um, just because they're being competitive in another mm-hmm. game. Well, and it gives them someone to watch, even if they're watching two teams that they don't like, if it's not the Rangers playing, but they have a fantasy player that's playing, it's going to make them invested Yeah, in the yeah. game, which makes it fun. I think so many, there are so many pros to fantasy football. Chris already mentioned you're learning math skills um, through things like statistics, and you're also learning the kind of those executive functioning skills, problem solving skills. There's a social aspect to it. Oh, yeah. Um, there's technology and what's really cool is like Chris is saying, if you do it with your student, you can leverage that into a family activity. Mm-hmm. So I have lots of friends that play and girls that do it with their family. And so that's something fun that it's a way to talk about something every week with their family. Um, and it can lead to connection, especially if they're playing with people that they know, mm-hmm. um, which is just a really cool thing. Um, and I love that that's an option of like Chris is saying, maybe it gives you a reason to watch the games on the weekend together. And you can be like, Hey, who's your player? Who do you have playing? Who do you want to win? Mm-hmm. And Oh, I'm like, you can kind of maybe even make it a little competitive, but it's different than just sitting on a couch. You have a reason to talk about it and a reason to connect. Mm-hmm. Now, some quick thoughts. Um, I would encourage you to talk to your teens about it. If they have a fantasy football team and who they're playing with. Because there are random leagues that you can get into that they can just join. I mean, ESPN, CBS, all these places have fantasy teams. But I would encourage them to play with people that they know. Yeah. Um, Just kind of as a safety precaution. Like I said, that's an easy way to connect. And so if they're going, hey, I want to play this and I don't know who to play with, that's a great opportunity for you to say, let's start a league. And let's find people to join us. Well, and I will say too, um, being a first-time uh, fantasy baseball commissioner <laughs> <laughs> who had never done it before. It. Um, what a title! <laughs> I know, I know, and I've not been very good at it. I will say, fantasy baseball is a different animal. Like, oh yeah, you got to be committed on fantasy baseball. It's a long mm-hmm. season, and yeah, so there's some aspects of that. I don't think we were prepared for the attention that was going to demand, but. <laughs> Other than that, um, it does walk you through how it all works, and it gives you it gives you um, a pretty good uh, matter of fact. It'll, it'll, you can uh, run your own kind of a, a mock draft. It'll give you different scenarios, and so it really does prepare you mm-hmm. if, if you don't know much about the sport. But I, I, I really echo what Carly said that there's really not much of a reason to 
uh, for your kids just to go join random leagues because they'll be exposed to all kinds of things you don't want to be exposed mm-hmm. to. So, so just even if you don't love the sport, but they do, um, it will walk you through how to do it. It's free. It's easy. Um, those things are really, you know, those ESP, especially the ESPN leagues are really made, um, to be easy to onboard for sure. Mm-hmm. Another thing is have a conversation about money. Not mm-hmm. every league, but some leagues have a buy-in at the beginning of the season so that the winner gets kind of the cash pot. And so just have a conversation about that. I don't necessarily think that's bad if they want to throw in 50 bucks at the beginning of the season to pay for it. Um, but make sure they know what they're doing and then they're not getting in a spot maybe where they're even betting on games every week or stuff like that. So just mm-hmm. something to think about. And then I know that we've said this, but finally use it as a way to connect whether you're in their league or not. So even if you're not in the league with them, but you know that they have a fantasy team, ask about their team, ask about trades, ask about who they would draft, watch games with them, cheer on their players. Like, I just think that's a really cool way to connect with your teenagers this fall. Okay. Finally, Chris, for the tip, I saw this on Instagram and of course I will link it from parents together but they posted a graphic that is ways to make teens feel respected. And when I was reading it, I was like, I really like these and we probably don't have time to like go into depth to each one of them, but we can stop down obviously if there's one we specifically want to talk about. But some of these include like taking their thoughts and feelings into consideration. So not just kind of blowing over what they Mm -hmm. say, Um, asking for their help and opinions. Hmm. And I really like that one um, of going to them being like, hey, can I get your opinion on this and showing like, hey, I respect what you have to say. And I'm not just the one that's telling you everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh, anytime building a a connection with folks asking um, for their feedback and, you know, and they might say, I don't know, Um, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I think this uh, asking is a huge deal to to help figure out how, how do I do this? What's what are ways you've done this? Even if you know they've got nothing to add to the conversation, that's fine. <laughs> um, it's really powerful. But that could even look like coming and being like, hey, what would you wear with this? What shoe should I wear? Ask their mm-hmm. opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Um, ask where you should go to dinner. Ask stuff like that. They don't have to be like huge of like, hey, where should I spend my money or should I quit my job? But there are ways that you can use that well. Well, we've talked about this some on the podcast before, but when we do support groups at Teen Life, um, one of the things we do, we train a lot with our facilitators when, especially the first group, when we're coming up with expectations and boundaries for our group, we encourage our facilitators to ask the group, hey, Mm. what helps you feel safe when you're in a group? What helps, um, what are boundaries that, you know, what, what are ways that this can work the best for you? Um, and they might, and it really catches students off guard because they're not used to having a say in that. And so, you know, it, may, it helps them feel, like you said, respected. Um, and so that's something we do a lot in our groups. It's really, really effective is help us figure out how to make this work. Um, we want your feedback. Mm-hmm. Another way is to give them more responsibility and freedom. Obviously, um, as they kind of earn that and as they get older, so responsibility and freedom is going to look different for a senior in high school than it is for a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. Um, but where appropriate, give them responsibility and freedom, invite instead of demand. So where you can, instead of just demanding and things of them, ask them to join you. Um, this one is huge. And we actually talked about this and y'all talked about this in one of the diverse family ones. I think the one that Tobin did was single parents, but apologize when 
you're wrong. Hmm. And show that, I mean, you would do that for an adult. You would do that for a peer. If you were wrong, you would go back and apologize. And the same should be said for our kids. So just because they're younger than you and they're your kids doesn't mean that you don't have to come back and apologize if you did something wrong. Right. Be honest with them. Obviously, teenagers, we talk about this too. Teenagers know when you're trying to pull one over. They know mm-hmm. when you're not being genuine or honest. And so wherever you can, be honest with them. Let them know what's going on in your life. You don't have to overshare, but if they ask a question, be honest of where you're at mental health-wise, family-wise, all of that stuff. They can they can take it. Well, and apologies and honesty come go hand in hand mm-hmm. as well. So when you apologize, you're honest about how you're feeling about things. And I think yeah. that those things work right together. Mm-hmm. And then listen to them before drawing drawing conclusions or making decisions. So once again, kind of get their input um, in your family. And then the last one is love them for who they are, not who we wanted, expected, or imagined they would be. Powerful. Yeah. And that's sometimes tough if you have expectations for your kids and you're holding them to that standard, but love them where they are. Mm-hmm. Just simply where they are. And that can make a really big difference of showing like, hey, I see you and I respect you as you are, not who I think you should be. And I think that goes a long way. This is about respect, but it's also about connection right? as well. So with that, that's a wrap on this episode. We hope obviously that you'll subscribe so you don't miss anything that we have going on. Follow us on social media. The best way you can share this is to text this episode to a friend, um, especially if you think you heard something that they would need to hear for their teenager. And with that, we'll see you next week.